literary slummers, to another episode of Shelf Aware, the podcast where we are reading outside of our comfort zones. I'm Anna. And I'm Em. This week on Shelf Aware, we are continuing our unit on cyberpunk, which which is a unit I cursed us to. Um, because I don't <laughs> generally like cyberpunk. We started it off la- a few weeks ago with a Neuromancer by William Gibson. Um, and so this week, Anna, do you want to tell us a little something about the genre of cyberpunk as we move further into its depths? Yeah, yeah. Well, so last episode, or no, not last episode, I don't know, like a month ago, we um, <laughs> read, we discussed a lot about Neuromancer, which is, I think, the book that kind of defines the genre. So I'm not going to go as super in depth, but basically cyberpunk is a subgenre of science fiction. Mm. Um, and the very, very broad strokes of it are that there is advanced technology in a dystopian setting of some kind. So the firm, the term cyberpunk first came around in like the 1980s, some guy named Bruce Bethke, Bethke, I don't know. Don't ask me. Wrote a short story that he just called Cyberpunk that was about some teenage hackers. And I looked up, like, this article that he wrote about the story that he wrote. And he's like, darn, I wish I had trademarked the term. And I was like, that's not what you do with genres. (laughs) I mean, it's what a lot of people are trying to do these days with every single romance novel. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Let's just, like, pump the brakes. Um, The Ohio State University. (laughs) (laughs) However, there was... A few books written in the 60s and 70s during the new wave science fiction movement, which is, I guess, just this, you probably know a little bit more than I do, just a very experimental time in the science fiction genre, which a lot of things were birthed there, I think. It was like they were kind of playing with the rules a little bit of, like, no, I'm getting too much into it. But, like, basically the 1950s were like, science fiction, yay, let's all go to space and there's aliens and everyone's good and nice. And then now... In the 60s, 70s, and going into the 80s, everything's like, science fiction can be dirty, also. Let's all go to space and everything's bad. <laughs> yes, everyone's bad. Technology's bad, but you're still going to put it in your body. <laughs> Get that computer in your eye. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we have um, some big authors in the early like 60s and 70s were Philip K. Dick, Roger Zelazny. Zel- Roger Zelazny and Harlan Ellison, of which I've only read Mm. zero of those authors. (laughs) I think I've read, I've read uh, Philip K. Dick, certainly, and I think I've read Harlan Ellison, but I don't think I've read Zelazny. I've never even heard of him, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry to you, (laughs) Roger. Sorry, Zelazny. But Neuromancer, a lot of people agree Neuromancer was kind of the book that solidified cyberpunk as a genre or was kind of like the framework for how the rest of cyberpunk would go. And likewise, the movie Blade Runner, which is based off Philip Mm -hmm. K. Dick's Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, kind of solidified what cyberpunk would look like. Which is like, it's nighttime, it's raining, and there's neon lights in Japan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) So back more into kind of the feel of cyberpunk, this other author named Bruce Sterling is often quoted as saying cyberpunk is low life and high tech. So there's a lot of like the the main characters are always like these anti-heroes that work outside the law because the law didn't work for them. And there's always a lot of like gritty underworld 
street gangs and drug usage and Mm -hmm. maybe um like hacking into corporates to get you to get your dues i don't know like we said a few weeks ago it's just like dirty computers (laughs) (laughs) um and they do a lot with um ais and prosthetics like putting technology in your body where it shouldn't be um maybe like the the blend of human and ai and exploring those kinds of themes and then there's also a lot of influence from the film noir and hard-boiled mm-hmm. detective novels yeah. as well from like the 40s and 50s like right after world war ii um that kind of bled into this so as we see not so much a neuromancer i don't think but definitely in this book there is like a murder that's trying to be solved and you can definitely picture this guy like in his trench coat and 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 fedora mm-hmm. monologuing about the women in the room there's a lot of discussion about breasts and dicks in this book <laughs> i think even with neuromancer there is some um because i think i even mentioned it, it during that episode that there are some like noari aspects of it where it's like mm-hmm. the city is a character and everyone's trapped in the city and like although it's like multiple cities and neuromancer but like and everything is uh you know man can't escape the confines and whatever, like that sort of thing. So I think there's definitely like thematically some noir elements in Neuromancer as well. Yeah, I guess I just didn't understand at all what was happening in that book. That's true. That's a fair point. (laughs) Yeah, there was like, for me, the theme was just confusion. (laughs) And, And so there are like a couple different waves of cyberpunk as well. Um, And I'm not quite sure where I've landed on, like, where this book fits into the whole scheme of things. But we have the first wave of cyberpunk, which people say is, like, from the 1980s to, like, 2000, 2003, like, mid-early 2000s. Um, Mm -hmm. We said Blade Runner, Neuromancer, The Matrix was a really big one um, that people might be more familiar with. And then it kind of moved on to post-cyberpunk, where I guess people decided that... Sometimes technology doesn't have to be super bad. Like sometimes the technology can be helpful, but maybe like it just kind of like opens it up to the possibility of being abused, but it's not so like what's the word I'm looking for? Grim dark. Like it's not so black and white, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, grim dark, black and white, that kind of thing. Um so you you start seeing things like Inception or uh Joss Whedon's Dollhouse. Where, like, you can obviously see how these things would be used for good, but you're more, you, like, get to see both sides of the coin. And the characters go from these, like, nihilistic anti-hero types to where they can be, like, more traditional protagonists. So you'll have, like, more police officers, law enforcement, or just, like, normal people. And now we're kind of, like, into slightly more modern cyberpunk, which it has a, I think, from what I have seen of it, has a little bit more emphasis on, like, uh, the things that we use, like the technology owning us, but in like, not in like a robot uprising kind of way, mm-hmm. more of like, we're kind of submitting ourselves to the technology a little so too like much. Black so you'll Mirror. see that a lot in Black Mirror. Hmm? Yeah. <laughs> I said so oh, like Black said Mirror. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically every episode of Black Mirror, um, <laughs> a little bit of like, you can see that in Mr. Robot, I think, cause they kind of, well, I don't want to give spoilers for the show in case anybody wants to watch it, but, um, and then, a little bit in Ready Player One, but I don't really like that one, so we're not going to talk about it too much. And then there's a, a bit more, <laughs> like, 
corporate dominance over the individual, I think, is a big theme, too, and maybe a little bit, like, close to home, maybe. So maybe that's why it feels more relevant, Yeah, these corporations being, like, controlling entities. And then there's also, like, a revival kind of going on as well of old cyberpunk. So we saw, like, Blade Runner 2049 and the Ghost in the Shell remake mm. and stuff like mm. that. So I think cyberpunk is just because it was a new genre i think it's just like kind of going through like the growing pains of discovering what the genre is breaking the rules and then coming back once we've decided what the rules are and how we broke them we come back to what they are kind of like how you mm. see with everything yeah mm-hmm. there's a couple other subgenres that have been created because of cyberpunk so there's biopunk which is basically like instead of computers it's like biotechnology I don't know what biotechnology is. I just read this on Wikipedia. And then there's <laughs> steampunk, which I think everyone's a little bit more familiar with steampunk. It is like alternate history. Yeah. Alternate history, steam-powered things, Victorian era. Everybody has so. gears in their eyes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have hydraulic pumps in my boots that make me fly or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, that's basically the genre. It's... I think there's a lot of it's it's pretty pervasive. I feel like I don't know, like at least in movies and TV shows, anime. Which brings us, I guess, to this book uh, that we read for this week, which is um, yes. Altered, Altered Carbon, Carbon by Richard Morgan. Um, I know usually I would think? be. I I was gonna say I know usually I'd be the first one to go, but I want to hear what you think because I have opinions. <laughs> And I want to see, and I don't know how much of it is because I don't like this genre and how much is because I don't like this book. Oh, oops. I said it. (laughs) Well, okay. I was really enjoying it. Um, So there were some discrepancies about how long this book actually is because the paperback version that I bought um, and that I had like seen online, it was under 400 pages. It's like 380 pages. Yeah. Yeah. But then the Mm -hmm. Kindle version, which you bought. Mm-hmm. It's like 500 plus pages, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It yeah. sure is. Yes. And then when I like when I ordered the the book from Amazon, it was the weirdest biggest paperback. I was like, this is this is such <laughs> like it's so cheating. Like it's not actually 380 pages. Like the font is so small. M, I can't like <laughs> this is there's more words on the page than in like a traditional hardback book. Anyway. So, the book I was enjoying it. There was a lot of like problematic discussion about breasts and penises and there's just a lot of unnecessary sex and um, discussion about like sex workers that I didn't think was super cool, but um, it was, I was enjoying it. But then the book just, every time you're like, great, cool. They're going to wrap it up. This is like the end. This is the rising action. We're going to get to the climax soon. And then, no, it was like, but actually there's 150 more pages left and there's another, like, there more characters are being introduced and more plot and just more things we have to wrap up. Surprise, you'll never be done with this book. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> so I yeah. was feeling very fatigued by the end of this. There was, there was a good 100 pages in the middle where I was kind of enjoying it, but for the most mm-hmm. part, I'm not going to say I hated this book because we're a more positive podcast now, um, so I'm not going to say that, but, <laughs> but you also can't say you loved it or liked it. Um, but I, I think my issues with this book kind of fall into three major categories. Okay. Let's hear them. Number one is the same complaint that I had about Neuromancer, which is that 
everything in this book is done for the aesthetic. Everything. Like, everything. It's just like he sat down and was like, does this sound cool? Cool. I'm putting it in. And it's just absolute Mm -hmm. garbage. Like, it's so stupid. There's so much stuff that... This book is, like, so saturated in world building is the thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And, I mean, like, the world building's Mm -hmm. cool. Like, don't get me wrong. But, again, that's all it is. The plot doesn't fucking matter. Like, it's just a fucking murder mystery. No one cares. So that's my that's my number one complaint, which I think is my genre complaint, is that everything in cyberpunk, as far as I can see, is just, does this look cool? Does this sound cool? Awesome. Then it's going yeah. in. Because they're trying to, like, mold it to the aesthetic, which is mm. not, like, I, I just, I don't like dirty things. Like, that's not, not my jam. And, well, and a big problem with that also is that, like, when that is your one claim to being anything is like, man, look how cool it is. When something isn't cool, it like really sticks out. So there's like a couple yeah. phrases in this that I was just like, okay, okay. Uh, let me see if I can find like a couple because I did highlight. Um, at one point he describes um, the main character's nicknames that he's used. <laughs> it's just the oh dumbest gosh. list because it's Mamba Lev. One hand rending the ice pick, and I'm like, you're trying so hard to make this guy cool, and you're just failing on every level right now. One hundred percent. So that was my my first complaint is the coolness, the cool factor, both in that it was trying too hard and that sometimes it failed. Mm-hmm. Number two is just kind of you alluded to it. I'm just gonna fold it all into um dumb bullshit gender stuff because there was a lot and some of it's like gender related and some of it's like sexuality related and I hated all of it and I have like some really like kind of hardcore problems with a couple of the scenes not an not enough that I'm like hey Richard Morgan is clearly a misogynist or Richard Morgan is clearly homophobic but there was like definitely some stuff that I was like okay this is very like 2002 which is when this book was written um there was also some weird race stuff in here that i don't know if i super want to get into but calling people like mongols yeah and there was like an entire planet that was like real fucked up like the whole yeah post 9-11 um muslim terror yeah yes it was like i said very 2002 right like yeah i was like okay okay yeah, okay. yeah, no, it's like, we, we see, we see when this was written, um, but honestly, like, oh no, it was bad, it was bad. The planet is called Sharia, mm-hmm. the planet is called Sharia, mm-hmm. like, why are we doing this? But, and it's spelled Why are different. we doing this? What is happening? It's with a Y, so you know. Right, it's with a Y. It was even, so like, one point Jesus where they called, Christ. like, Asian countries, like, they were just like, oh, that's from the Orient, and I was like, what? What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do they not know by like 2300 to stop whatever? Right. Well, (laughs) even ignoring the fact that that's like a racist ass term, it's also Mm -hmm. a term (laughs) that 100% relies on being on one planet because like the Orient literally means like in this area of the planet, right? So when you have expanded to like multiple planets, it kind of doesn't make sense as a term anymore. Yeah, I, I just don't like, I really appreciate the kinds of science fiction where we're just like, you know what, it's so far into the future and humanity has like, 
either one, like, bonded together against every other alien species, or two, has blended so much that it doesn't even fucking mm-hmm. matter. Because those seem like the two most realistic options to me. Like, still having these, like, oh, look at this traditional African-looking woman yeah. sort of descriptions, that, to me, I'm like, you were, you were like, 500 years separated from that, like... There's, there's no, there shouldn't be any frame of reference for you. It, and it's too, like, I can almost be okay with, like, when he's like, this sleeve is Asian, this sleeve is black, this sleeve is Caucasian. I'm like, okay, I guess, even though that's still a little bit, does it, like, seems like, aren't there more mixed race people in the future? I don't understand. But. There, yes, there should 100%. But, like, there's also, like you said, like, at, t- t- traditional African or like he uses Nordic cheekbones at one point or like he says Japanese eyes and I'm like I don't know anyone that can like accurately look at like a bunch of different people coming from like the Asian diaspora and pick out which one has Japanese eyes like what are you talking about like I don't what is that even going to look like 300 years in the future when he Mr. Takeshi Kovics lives on a planet called Harlan's world that was founded by the Japanese and Eastern European people. Like I, I don't, what is this? What does Japanese eyes mean? I don't understand. <laughs> it was weird. Again, understand. it, none of it's enough that I'm going to be like, it was racist, but like, it was weird. <laughs> it was weird. Yeah. I, for, yeah, for as far ahead in the future as it was, they were very focused on, race issues of 2001 and two and three. (laughs) Like, and then my, my third issue with this book, I kind of goes, I think to the genre, but also like to the, another genre, which I don't particularly like, which is like murder mysteries, which is that, um, Mm -hmm. we've kind of talked about, I don't know on the podcast, but like, I've definitely talked to you in the past about pretty Uh much the only reason I ever watch anything or read anything is for the shipping. And I mean, like, to some extent, I'm kidding about that. But to some to some extent, I think it's true that the reason that I like media is because of the relationships, whether that's romantic or, you know, I think that's familial fair. or friendship or whatever. Like, I don't I don't really care as much about the story. Like, it definitely has to have a good plot. But like, I don't care as much about that being a thing that stands by itself as I care about it as a framework for people to, like, explore their relationships with one another. Right. And this just doesn't do that. Like, none of the relationships no. matter at all. None of the well, people the matter. One, like, the characters are nothing. So the one relationship he seems to care about the most, we never see these two people together, really, except for in the prologue, mm-hmm. and then never given an explanation of why he cares about her so right. much. Are they friends? Siblings? Lovers? Kind of going back to the gender thing, it's one of the most egregious examples of, like, women being used as a motivator for men without having any sort of characteristics of their own. Cause she's literally mm-hmm. nothing in this. It, she's just a name. It, it pissed me off so badly. I can't. So this whole book, I, it just, there was nothing in it for me. I really, I, I get why people like it. Let's move into like, who would we suggest this for? I do get why people would like it because it mm-hmm. is cool. And if you like murder mysteries, which like is fine. If you like a good whodunit, I mean, I guess you probably would like this. Yeah, this is an interesting take on the murder mystery genre because because the murder victim comes back to life. Yeah. But doesn't remember anything. So that's like kind of an interesting thing. If you liked Neuromancer, you'd probably like this because 
there was some stuff that yeah. I was like, all right, yeah, I get it. You're doing a neuromancer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. If you like Blade Runner, Matrix, Akira, Ghost in the Shell. I mean, if you like dirty technology. Yeah. I definitely get why this is fairly popular and like why they made a Netflix show out of it because it is cool. Like it's a cool book. And I said the same shit about Neuromancer. It's a cool book. If you are imagining all the stuff, it would look cool. And it has all of the dark and gritty bullshit that people like, but like, I don't care about dark and gritty bullshit anymore. I just want to watch She-Ra and learn about the power of friendship. Like that's where I'm at in my life at this moment. Yep. I'm not, yeah, the nihilism present in these books just drags me down a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. But I, I do see the appeal of this aesthetic to some people. And I'm not even going to say, like, it does it poorly. I was going to ask you, com- compared to Neuromancer, though, do you have a preference for one over the other? Oh, man. Um, this one was definitely more readable in the sense that I understood what was going on. So, like, yeah. I like that. <laughs> Follow the plot. But it was less readable in that I did have to keep putting it down. Like, I could only really read this for, like, 30 minutes at a time without being, like, mm-hmm. I need to, like, go do something else for 10 minutes, you know? Because I, I don't think that I'm a particularly squeamish person, but there was some stuff in this book that, like, bothered me in terms of, mm-hmm. um, like, violence and violence and physical and sexual violence violence towards women (laughs) yes yeah i agree i definitely um i checked out the book on um libby the audiobook as well Mm. and so i could like when i got too tired of actually reading it i would just like listen to it and play pokemon shield yeah so that was kind of nice i had i had my 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 pocket monsters to look at (laughs) while i was listening to this I don't even know what to call it. Book. I'll just settle on book. <laughs> it's a book. But uh, so with all that said, if this sounds like a book that you might be interested in, mm-hmm. turn the podcast off now. We'll see you in, in nine hours or whatever it takes to read this one. It's so long. It is so long. <laughs> all right. I guess we'll talk about Let's the do book it. then. So the book starts off with a prologue, like all good books mm. do. Um, where Takeshi Kovics and his friend Sarah... Now, now, Anna, you're saying Kovics, but we are specifically told that's not how you pronounce his last name, and he gets very annoyed when people pronounce it wrong. That's right. It's supposed to be with a C-H, but I listened on the audiobook, Kovic. Kovic. <laughs> Takeshi Kovic. Do they say it differently on the audiobook? No, I was I was listening to it so quickly that it sounded the same both ways. <laughs> One and a half speed. <laughs> See, I know this is jumping ahead because we literally haven't even gotten to the plot yet, but like um it really pissed me off how much he got annoyed by people mispronouncing his name. As a person with a white ass last name that gets mispronounced a lot. Mm-hmm. Like no what it doesn't matter. They're not doing it intentionally. It's because that looks like it's how it should be pronounced. You need to chill. Yeah. Because he's like He's like, all yeah. of these police officers are pronouncing my name wrong, and they're doing it on purpose. And then he gets to, like, 
this other place where it's people who have hired him and know who he is and are like pronouncing it correctly. And he's like, Oh, they're so nice. They're pronouncing it correctly. It's like, no, you moron. It's not because they're being passive aggressive. It's because you didn't introduce yourself to the first group. And the second group specifically hired you and assumably knows what your fucking name is. Calm the fuck down. (laughs) I know. And he makes these comments. Like if they, I knew that they weren't familiar with this, made up language in this book because if they were they would have pronounced it flawlessly like everyone else <laughs> from my planet does like, okay it's like i get it's a common name on right my i get that like mispronouncing people's names is a microaggression for sure mm-hmm. but like in this case it really bugged me because it's a white ass name it's a fucking slavic name and as someone with a german name that gets mispronounced and also Kovacs is how it's pronounced in some regions so like fuck off yeah. like <laughs> Yeah, so Takeshi Kovic and his friend Sarah are <laughs> killed by police during an arms deal in a really brutal way. And Takeshi wakes up in a new sleeve on the planet Earth, which is not where he was earlier. But basically in this book, like, your mind, your soul, your memories, or whatever, I don't know, like, your consciousness, I don't, I don't know, is downloaded into the big server, the cloud, you're put into the cloud. And if your body dies, you can either get like a synthetic body or rent a real body from like the body store. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. It's super, I'm sorry. I'm going to be ranting a lot on this one. It doesn't make sense. It's like the whole, (laughs) it's so dumb. They're like, oh, we have literally every consciousness stored, right? Like literally every single one. We store everyone's Mm -hmm. consciousness unless you're a real bad boy. And then we delete your consciousness forever. But you have to be like a real, real bad fucko for that to happen. Yes. But like everyone essentially, the way it's explained, like generally you get, to you you stick around through two bodies full lifespan right like you have your original lifespan and then you mm-hmm. get re-downloaded once and you kind of realize you don't really like it so you go into storage and you just stay there until like your great 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 grandnephew has a birthday party and wants you to come um so like f- yeah for basically. all of those cases the great 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 greats like it's just it can be whatever body and it doesn't matter for everyone else on the second body um you have, like, generally people want to be in, like, a real human body, preferably a clone of themselves, but it doesn't seem like that's mm-hmm. a thing that happens a lot. And also people, like, have bodies that they just pop into sometimes, Um because that happens to one of the characters in the book is like the body gets bought by, like, a lawyer who wants to just use it occasionally for funsies, I guess. But, like, okay, this doesn't yeah, mathematically make sense to have this many bodies lying around that are, like, not fucked yes. up in some way and couldn't be used. Like, I don't understand. They're, like, blowing everybody's heads off, and that's how they get in the situation where they need a new body. But then, like, do they just regrow mm-hmm. the head of the old body? Is it just a clone? How quickly do clones grow? Clearly not that quickly because we have a whole scene where they're growing clones and they don't make them that quickly. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> What's happening? Yes. There was there was so much world building and I feel like this part of it, like the very important part of it, was just glossed over. They're just like There's, there's just bodies. bodies, there's enough bodies for all, don't there's worry just about bodies it. Everywhere. There's there's enough bodies except when there aren't and it's important to the plot. Like, okay. <laughs> and like, I don't know, just this idea of like if you commit a crime, they take you out of your body and put you on a shelf, and they put your body on a different shelf. And the two then twain shall never meet again. Well, I think like, I think that when it's a crime situation, 
Because they have deep freeze too, right? So they they have cryogenic freezing. And like, I think that's typically what they do if you're a criminal. They'll take you out and they'll put you back in the body that you were arrested in once your time has passed. But people can buy them out from under you. Which is so weird. Yeah, it's like fucked up. Everything in this book, I it's fucked up in a way that like, I don't think it could, it would happen. Like I get that stuff is fucked up right now. So maybe I shouldn't say that, but like at some Mm -hmm. point in this legislative process, which is the other thing with this book, literally everyone in this book, their job is either breaking the law or making and enforcing laws. There are no other jobs in this dystopian future. So like everyone's either a criminal, (laughs) a lawyer, a cop, and that's it. Because it's cyberpunk, and that's cyberpunk. There's no normal people. <laughs> but, like, at some point in this process of, like, legislating all of this, someone should have been like, this is a bad idea. Like, this, is, this isn't this is good, guys. The Catholics. That's true. The Catholics that's are true. right there. Also, though, I take back what I said about I think that they just put you in, like, freezing. Well, I guess that's if your body's too fucked up to use again, because that's another plot point is that we find out, and I'm, I'm so sorry, I'm jumping ahead all over the fucking place, but we find out that Takashi's um, father came back, like, after he died, they put him in a new body, so I guess his body was too fucked to do anything with. They put him in a new body, and while his family was yeah. waiting for him, because it was a new body and they didn't recognize him, he just, like, walked out and left. And we find this yeah. out he's like, when, he's, those guys. when he's at, like, watching, like, a body like the waiting room for the body retrieval center or whatever. And like, he's watching this like young Mm -hmm. family have their father return to them in a different body. And then he said, he reminisces about his father and he thinks to himself, like the guy who was the assistant at the body place told me that like, this happens like a billion times a week. I'm like, this seems like a bad system. Then this seems like a very bad system. If this is just constantly happening, maybe we need some sort of second form of identification. If everyone's just like, guess I'm walking out on my family now. That seems like it shouldn't be a lot. Surely child support still exists. Surely there must be a way. Not in the future. There are no governmental assistance programs whatsoever. Everything about this body thing is so super highly regulated, except that literally a guy can get a new body and then just dip on his, like, dependence. Like, I don't understand that that should not be able to happen to an extent that the guy at the body place is like, oh, just another case of a deadbeat dad dipping out with his new body. What are you talking about? What are there? There are social security numbers. Surely. It's just too cyberpunk. <laughs> I hate it. Uh, so Takeshi wakes up in a new body that has like these chemicals in it that make him s- smarter, faster, stronger, Daft Punk. Mm. I don't know. Um, and he has been hired. He discovers he has been hired by super rich guy Loren- Lorenz Bancroft to solve his murder. Lorenz's murder, not Takeshi's murder. Um, the, so the police pick Takeshi up from the hospital where he was reslaved and off and officer Kristen Ortega tells him, well, that's suicide. So this is like a fruitless endeavor. Um, you should just give up now. And they drop him off at Lorenz's manor and we can see there's like some hostility between the police and the Bancrofts, whatever. 
Uh, Takeshi interviews Lorenz and his wife Miriam, who mm-hmm. we are told multiple times is super hot. Hottie with a body, but her eyes are so old. <gasps> She's super hot and she wears leotards in a way which makes me think that the author doesn't know what a fucking leotard is. Because... Yeah, I was very confused. Like, first off, the way it's described when she first walks in is that she's wearing a leotard and shorts. And like... I don't know. Maybe this is a thing like guys who don't know that skirts and dresses refer to like, cause it, that's a thing, right? Like where some guys are like a skirt mm-hmm. is a short one and a dress is a long one. And it doesn't matter if it's like attached to a top piece, right? Like they don't get that. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but like, maybe it's something like that where like guys just have a misconception about what a leotard is. So if, if you are confused men, um, it's like, a bodysuit that covers you from your crotch to your shoulders, okay? So if you're wearing shorts over it, you wouldn't know that it's a leotard because you just think it's a shirt that's tucked exactly. in. Exactly. So what are you talking about? And then like and then like unless unless it had the traditional look of like a gymnastics leotard bodysuit and it was just like diagonal stripes right. in bright right. neon colors. Which maybe, but even then I've seen shirts with that same type of pattern. So, like, you still couldn't say for sure. And then later, when they are, spoiler alert, fucking, um, because, of course, she's wearing the leotard again. (laughs) And it's described as, and I think I have it, I'm not even going to look at my notes because I think I have it um, pretty much burned into my brain, that he pulls on a seam exposing one of her breasts. Okay, okay, okay. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Do you know what a seam is? Do you know what leotards are? I don't understand. What seam are you pulling on on a leotard that's going to pop a titty out? Like, I don't understand. Oh, they're like made to keep them inside. Right. And okay, maybe he meant he pulled on the hem, like the top of the shirt. Maybe. That's, that's definitely but that's not, not a seam. seam. A seam is where two pieces connect. And there are, let me think, there's, uh, depending on if it has sleeves or not, one, two, three or four seams on a leotard and none of them are anywhere near the boobies. What are you talking about? Yeah. I don't. And also like, imagine like pulling like a swimsuit mm-hmm. and pulling it like over your bra and then how like the material of it makes your bra like get all squished up yes. and awkward because like it's a tight material. So her breast was just like probably the weirdest, most uncomfortable shape. Well, and that's that's the other thing about this def- gravity-defying leotard is that constantly her breasts are like bouncing up and down in it against the sheer fabric because mm. that's another thing that this fucking douchebag loves is describing how sheer the fabric <laughs> is of various women's clothing. <coughs> <laughs> because it's not just her who gets this oh treatment. Uh, Chris and Ortega does too. But... At least twice it is described that her boobs were like bouncing up and down in the sheer fabric of the leotard specifically. And again, I just don't think this guy knows what leotards are or do or function as. And why does no one in the future have a bra? I don't understand. What's going on? <laughs> That's not futuristic. Jesus Christ. You think someone that wears soft space boots is going to wear a bra? <laughs> <laughs> you dumb idiot. <laughs> um... So, Lorenz and Miriam are meths, which is short for Methuselah, which I guess there's a quote in the Bible that's like, Methuselah lived for like 900 fucking years. So, they're called meths. And they're humans who have lived an extraordinarily long life. I think these two have lived like 300 plus years and have 60-something kids. Hey, Richard Morgan, meth 
death is already a thing, though. You can't just do that. <laughs> Here's the thing. Meth is a thing in this fucking book. Tetrameth. They take tetrameth and they take another kind of meth. Like, they take so many drugs. And then the people are called meths. There's other words. Oh, Jesus. It's, again, he was like, that sounds cool. And he just oh, didn't. He just didn't. He just, he was like Methuselah, yeah. Can't call them Sellas, I guess. I, since I've been bitching about this book I, a lot, I will say that is one thing that I did appreciate about this book is that because Takeshi is from another planet, it gave us a really good like excuse for him to ask for explanations for things. Yes. And I think that was one of the issues with Neuromancer and also to some extent an issue with this in terms of like the technology because he is familiar with that. But like it was nice that there was an excuse for him to be like, what's a meth? Or like, what's RD? You know, like, so that I, as the reader, knew what the fuck those things were. So props for that, I suppose. But here's my other thing now, the other side of this (laughs) coin. So Takeshi is what is called an envoy, which is like, I don't know, some sort of like special operative person who's been trained physically and mentally to withstand all kinds of pain and torture and blah, blah, blah. But he says like, oh, I have been taught to absorb the local culture. And and then he'll like, so he brings this up. He's like, he'll like mention something that he's heard before and he'll be like, because I can absorb the local culture. And I'm like, no, it's because you can fucking remember something somebody told you. That's just called memory. And you cannot tell me that you spent however long in this super intensive training just learning how to remember things. He'll, they'll be like, RD means real death. And then, like, three pages later, he'll be like, RD. And they'll be like, wow, how did you remember that? I absorbed I, things. I <laughs> what are you talking I remembered like a normal human being can do. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe not. Maybe because of all of these, like, I don't know, sleeves and unsleevings and resleevings. Maybe people's memories are yeah. just really shit. I don't know. They've, they're so full up. They can't <laughs> absorb new information at this point. They've lived for a thousand years thousands of years because they have clones and sleeves and uploading their peopleness into a cloud i don't (laughs) they're never really we're never really given like an opinion on what part of a person is being downloaded i think he does say at one point he has this whole like blah 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 whatever thing about personality and how it's like their personality Mm. but it's also not their personality really and everyone kind of ignores the fact that your personality is um influenced by the body that you're in which like which is bonkers i mean here's to be a bigger thing right and here's the other thing like the thing that like absolutely blew my mind with this book that i literally sat there thinking about for like probably 20 minutes was at the very towards the very beginning when he like signs his name and he's like oh it was someone else's handwriting and i was like wait would it be and then i like literally had to think about if handwriting was like a personality like a a mental thing or like a physical thing and i still don't know where i land because like obviously it has to have some sort of physical Mm. thing because like if you sign with your non-dominant hand it's different right yeah and even like the way you hold the pen or apply pressure. That's yeah. Fun. So, hmm. but then I'm like, but it has to have some sort of mental aspect too, right? Because like you can. Because you think about how you create the letters. Yeah. And you can focus and change how you write. So like, it's not like it's yeah. just a physical. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know, man. That if this whole book was just a treatise Bonkers. on like handwriting, I would be way more into it. 
<laughs> I'll write up. I'll write up Mr. Morgan yeah. and let him know. <laughs> so there's a lot of prejudices against the meths because, um, r- rightfully so, because the meths <laughs> just see like regular people as resources and they're like whatever i'll kill them i'll eat them i'll do whatever with them and it won't matter like they're just they're psychopaths well, all of them which is a, a, a theme in this book is like what is a psychopath but like i feel like we have a definitive answer on what a psychopath is but the meths are definitely those the thing though is and i mean i don't want to take their side too hard but like they kind of do have a point though because oh my god you are meth sympathizer it's like it, i mean if you're living in this world where, like, number one, mm-hmm. you can just have a new body whenever and it's fine, it kind of super doesn't matter what people do. To- I mean, like, I guess it hurts and stuff, and that's not great, but, like... But you have to pay to have your body replaced. Yes. If you can't afford it, you just get shelved. That's an issue. But the- So, again, it's it's the socioeconomics of it is the problem, not the, like, the... Uh, that's true. The... the psychopathy of like wanting to fuck a girl to death which is like a thing that one of the people in this book wants to do so it's like so if they pay if (laughs) if they pay to replace the bodies yeah of everybody that they murder then this is an okay way to live consent is key here i think if and that might be the issue is that they're not asking if they can murder these people But if they did, I honestly don't think it would be that big of an issue. So it seems weird to me that they have these taboos about it and that it isn't like legal. I feel like I feel like people would like because they have this whole again, I'm jumping so far ahead. But like there's a whole part about like this whorehouse that lets people murder people. And I'm like and it's they're like it's illegal. And I'm like, but why is it illegal, though? Because like I A hundred percent. Like, I feel like people would be like, yeah, you can super definitely murder me and give me $10 million. Like, I'm down. Let's go. Let's do it. I'm going to get a hot new body. Or like, load me up with those drugs that make me not feel pain. Then you can do it. And I'll just act and pretend like I'm feeling pain and you're not going to know the difference. Like, who cares? Ouch. Ouch, It hurts so bad. Your penis, it hurts me. Like, are you aroused? Ouch. Right. Like, it's, it just seems... It, the the hangups that this society has at this point didn't make sense to me. I'm not saying that people should go out and I think that there's something to be said about like, oh no, it's actually not great to go out and murder people. Like it fucks you up pretty bad. But like, I don't get why it would be illegal in this instance. If everyone was okay with it. If everyone <laughs> consented. But not everyone is. Like the Catholics yes, do not want to be that's uploaded. True, but which is like kind of a big thing in this book. I would assume then that they would not agree to be murdered for $10 million. I'm I'm assuming that if they say like you can kill people if you give them money or you can you can kill people if everybody agrees to it, right? As long as you don't kill mm-hmm. their cortical like destroy their cortical stack. Um I feel like that should be legal because the Catholics obviously wouldn't consent to it anyway. So it still would be illegal for them. Mm. Right? I don't know, man. I don't know if I have the mental stamina to argue the ethics of killing people that can be re- <laughs> that can be revived <laughs> with the right amount of money. <laughs> it feels bad. It does. It feels it feels bad. It feels wrong. not good. But I don't. Th- I I don't see why, as a society, pe- these meths wouldn't have like passed this law at this point. These sort of laws that would. 
You guys heard it here first. M wants to legalize <laughs> I don't murder. Legalize murder. I want to legalize consensual murder play in which if you're you can rich, immediately. If you're rich, M wants to legalize murder for the rich. Wants to legalize consensual murder sex work in which you can consensual have a body that murder. immediately replaces it. Now, is it no longer called murder at that point? Then you'd have to come up with a different term. Like I don't know though. Suicide? I don't know. Can you? I guess. Okay. Can you consent to murder? now no right like it's still murder yeah no i think anytime you die is a bad (laughs) (laughs) you heard it here first anytime you die is a bad (laughs) anyway (laughs) we've gotten through like 10 pages of this book 500 pages of this book (laughs) so many questions So, Lorenz's self is uploaded to a server every 48 hours, and um, it's that way, like, he can retain his memories and remember what he did. But his death occurred sometime between uploads, so he has no idea what has happened. And he himself is convinced it's not a suicide, because if he wanted to kill himself, he'd know how to do it. He would not be alive again today. So he sets Takeshi on the case, has Takeshi speak with his lawyer. And the lawyer gives Takeshi access to all of these death threats that the Bancrofts have received over the years. And it turns out that Bancroft liked to visit sex workers, especially ones that look like his wife, Mm. because he was into... He had, like, a humiliation kink, but he didn't like to be the one that was humiliated. He liked to degrade others. And... He didn't want to do that to his precious, beautiful, rich wife. So he went and did that to poor sex workers that just look like her. <laughs> Super cool. Which, again, okay. Honestly, the issue is that he can't do it to his wife, I think. Because I think the problem is that if you are into that, and again, consent, if everyone's on board, which I would assume the sex workers are on board in the sense that, like, they're doing their job and they're fine with that. Like, that's fine. Do what you want to do. Do what you got to do to get you off, I suppose. Um, but <laughs> if it's like, I refuse to do this to my wife, I will only do it to sex workers because it's so terrible. Like, it seems like you think yeah. it's this terrible thing, so you probably shouldn't do it to anyone. Not because it is a terrible thing, but because, like, if you think it's that bad that you can't bring yourself to do it to your wife, then you like are putting your wife as like more of a person than these other people, which is kind of fucked up. Uh, yep. Like, I don't know. Yep. That's why the meths, man, they're terrible. They're bad news bears down with the meths. <laughs> not a meth head, huh? Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not a meth head. Not into <laughs> it. Sorry. <laughs> okay. If I was given the option to live mm-hmm. forever, though, and my body would never age, mm-hmm. that is tempting. I'm against meths until I become one, and then I'm 100% for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isn't that the way it always is? <laughs> so Takeshi's research leads him to the Elliot family. Elizabeth Elliot was a sex worker that had recently died and who had Lorenz as a regular client. And her mom, Irene was arrested for dipping into memories, which is a thing. I don't want to explain it. But basically, like... It's hacking. It's just hacking. The satellites are in the air, and if you are good enough at hacking, you can 
Yeah, you just hack into the memories that are up in the satellites. It's whatever. Um, and the dad of the family is too poor to upload Elizabeth into a new sleeve or to release his wife's mind from prison. And then her body is, like, bought to be used for some ad- some sort of advertising. So basically the Bancrofts, like, fucked over this whole family. Um, and Takeshi starts working this sex worker angle, trying to find a possible suspect to Lorenzo's murder. He doesn't really believe... It could be the dad, from the dad Elliot, Mr. Elliot. I don't remember his name. Um, Vincent. But he goes to the brothel where Elizabeth worked. And he starts his investigation there. But before he does that, he's staying at a hotel called the Hendrix, which is um, just so cheeky because we know it's named after Jimi Hendrix. But Takeshi, like, doesn't understand who this guitar player is that they keep referencing in this hotel. <laughs> LOL, guys. But so when he first checks into this hotel, he's ambushed by an assassin who knew who he really was. So like no one on this planet should know Takeshi is inside this body, but this assassin somehow did. So the hotel uses its defense mechanisms to kill the assassins, but just their bodies, like not their minds. Oh, this is so confusing. He um, uses the defense mechanisms to kill the bodies. And then Kristen Ortega shows up to arrest their minds. <laughs> <laughs> But it's actually just one mind. It's this assassin named Cadman, and he is famous for, like, uploading himself. He's, like, double sleeves is what they call it. So he puts himself, two copies of himself. He just Control-C, Control-V into two bodies. And then they just go about as if they were two people, but it's one person. But then they become two people because, like, they have different experiences. (laughs) Philosophy. And we got, like... This whole info dump from Kristen Ortega about, like, what double-sleeving is and, like, how Cadman achieves it and whatever. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, so, like, obviously this is going to be a thing that happens at the end of the book is that Takashi's going to have to double-sleeve himself, right? Like, so this is, like, a huge Chekhov's gun. But if in a Chekhov play... Chekhov sleeves. Right. If in a Chekhov play, like... Trigorin or whoever like went over and took the gun off of the mantle place and was like, ah, here is a gun. Here is the trigger. Here is where I put the bullets and like explained in depth how like everything worked. <laughs> and I'm like, this isn't good. Um, and then like, instead of in the third act, it comes up like three centuries later. Because it's so it's, long. It's so long. <laughs> and then also at the hotel, Miriam Bran- Bancroft shows up to have sex with him. And her leotard. So she asks him to stop investigating the death of Lorenz. And he's like, why? And she's like, well, I can give you a ticket to my sex island (laughs) where multiple copies of me run around in the nude and we'll just all have sex all the time because my body emits this sexy mind connection drug that everything you feel, (sighs) I feel, and I feel what you feel. And, oh, it's just so cyclical sex. And then they have sex. I have nothing to say on this. (laughs) It was... god anyway there's like the line is just like there are just some things a man can't say no i do have something to say on this during this scene i believe is the the part where um she kiss he kisses i think it's this scene and not the one with Kristen because spoiler alert they have sex too um i could be wrong doesn't matter but i think it's during this one that he kisses or he he makes his way from like her face region to her crotch region by um, leaving mm-hmm. a trail of O's on her, like, torso, I think is how it's described. Like, it's like his mouth made a yes. trail of O's. And I'm like, okay, so is he just, like, goldfishing so he's just basically his... basically, like... He's just going... <laughs> like, goldfishing his way down her torso? Yeah, it's just, like... <laughs> just... 
<laughs> He's very bad at kissing. <laughs> I think so. Or this body. When we blame it, we have to blame it on the sleeve. The, the sleeve, sleeve is, is bad, bad at kissing. At kissing. <laughs> So Takeshi, Takeshi goes to investigate the brothel, the brothel where Elizabeth worked, called Jerry's. And it's here that we learn that a lot of brothels only hire Catholic girls, or girls who have been, like, registered as Catholic, um, because they don't... It is against their religion to be revived, because they believe that your soul is your soul, and when you die, it goes up to heaven, right? Religion. Um, so they hire a lot of Catholic girls because when bad things happen in brothels and they don't want word to get out or whatever, they just kill the sex workers and dump their bodies. Sad day. So there's a proposition called Proposition 653 where they are trying to, like, make it so... Oh, I'm confused now. Is 6653 is they're trying to block it because that will allow... Catholic minds to be up, re-uploaded for, like, courtroom purposes? I can't remember exactly what it is doing, like, what the, the, like, if it's making something legal or making something illegal or whatever, but, like, the, yeah, the, the end result is that they will be able to test, to get Catholic witnesses to testify yes. after death, essentially. And I can't remember if it's because it's currently legal to, like, delete their consciousness or if it's like currently illegal to like force people to re-upload or something like that. Mm -hmm. But the, the proposition is making it so that Catholic people will essentially have to testify after their death if they die in a suspicious manner. So we're at Jerry's. We learn about six, five, three. Oh, okay. And then, and then Takeshi is captured during this investigation by some dudes that work at Jerry's and he's taken to a clinic um, well, because he's captured when he's talking to, uh, on the second time he visits, and I want to talk about this specifically because this is one of the things that I was like, this isn't homophobia, but it's definitely something. Um, oh, yeah. So I do want to bring it up because it was a wild scene. He's captured when he goes back to it the second time because the first time he goes and he meets a woman named Louise, who is a sex worker there who um, mm-hmm. knew Lizzie and he goes and is asking her questions, um, first under the pretense that he has hired her or whatever. And then she's like, I don't, I'm not going to talk to you about this. And he says that he's Lizzie's mother who has been cross sleeved, which is when you are placed in a sleeve opposite your mm-hmm. gender. Um, Louise is like, no way. Lizzie's ma is in storage. Um, and then this line happens and it's great. And Takeshi says, this is after she's been dancing seductively and there's like seductive hormones in the air. And he's thought oh about how God, he's I getting a boner. My memory. <laughs> he's thought about how he's getting a boner. And then he's like, no, no boner. Stay down. So she's like, Lizzie's I'll use my storage. envoy training to cancel this yes. boner. <laughs> so he goes, no, I pulled her hand back to my groin. Feel there's nothing there. They sleeved me in this, but I'm a woman. I don't, I couldn't. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. So in this future world, we are still so heteronormative that this man yes, is that able... Yes, that is heavily, heavily heteronormative. This man is able to convince a sex worker that he is, in uh-huh. fact, a woman in a man's body because he's not getting a boner. Because apparently gay men... And women attracted to women are not a thing in this world. Except we know that it is. You know what, though? There is not a single, there's not a single 
queer relationship in this book. There's not, except that so um, there's a moment when Miriam talks about like having three or like threesomes or more sums with a herself and be other women. Um, uh-huh. So like it is a possibility. And then I think Trep, who we haven't really mentioned cause she didn't come up yet. I think she says something about like some sort of uh hookup with a woman, I think, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. I can't, I can't recall it off the top of my head, uh, but I so I do think that like, but like in that sexy way with girls hooking up right. with girls. Right. But I think that almost makes it worse because like it's not that the idea of like queer sexuality doesn't exist at all in this world. It's just that like oh, of course, like people are so quick to like accept that like yeah. Of of course you must be her mother because of course any man would get a boner. Um, because gay men don't exist. And also, I guess just people not attracted to me specifically don't exist. Well, Um, and, and moms can never be aroused. That's just gross. Yeah. Moms don't have sex. That's, that's weird. It was such a weird (laughs) moment in this book. And I was just like, it was very bizarre how he was like, I have to prepare my body so that this gambit works. And he was like, and it could have been okay if like there was some follow up questioning from her, but she was just like, oh yeah, you're right. Like, you're right. I guess you are this woman because that's the only explanation that makes sense. Yeah. In this world where anybody can put on anyone else's body. (laughs) Right. And even, like, the idea of, like, cross-sleeving, like, I feel like that should have been explored way more than it was because just in general, and this is maybe getting a little bit too 2019 with it, but, like, the idea that this world exists where like anyone can put on any body and there aren't more people who are gender fluid seems very weird to me. Like, yes, yes. Everybody has specific pronouns and everyone uses he, she pronouns. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, again, I very much doubt that that is a thing that would be in a book in 2002, but it, I it, agree. Looking at it now in 2019, it's, I don't think that that's how that would work if this society actually existed. I think a lot more people would be using they, even if like, even Mm -hmm. if we didn't talk, get into like non-binary, like you wouldn't be able to, you literally wouldn't be able to assume someone's gender by looking at them. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's a very specific worldview that this book is portraying how the future will look. Takeshi gets captured. And taken to a clinic where he's virtually tortured because he has been mistaken to be the person whose body he's in. The person whose body he's in is Elias Riker, who was a former police officer and Kristen Ortega's romantic partner. The whole torture thing was the worst thing in this book. It was so, oh my God, it was so like descriptive and uncomfortable. It was just awful. So in this torture, they put him in a woman's body because women feel pain more than yes. men, which... Because women are weak. Well, no. Women are stronger except when they're having their periods. That's oh, actually... Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then they hit the all-time low. Mm-hmm. I did underline that. Like, yeah. Was... And also they feel things differently through their women's skin because their skin um, is more sensitive and men just touch the world and women feel it or some bullshit. Yes. All of that aside... Let's accept that some of that is scientifically correct. Because, like, there are differences in in uh, male and female skin. And there are differences in pain tolerance, although we don't know how much of it is um, physiology and how much of it is, like, um, women expressing, being more able to express that they are in pain because of, like, 
cultural differences. Don't know. Unclear. But let's accept that there are like physical differences for the sake of this argument. I don't think that the amount of pain felt would be different enough to justify the fact that the vast, vast, vast majority of physical trauma inflicted on characters in this book are inflicted specifically to women's bodies. Like anytime Mm -hmm. that like physical like distress is described in this book, it is incredibly more descriptive when it is being done to a woman's body than to a man's like, yes, Lawrence gets his head blown off and we kind of gloss over that. We talk about like the other guy who gets his head cut off and it's like a little bit gory, but you know, not too bad. Luis gets her like legs slit and like people are messing around with like pulling her leg meat apart. Um, so gross. And then in this whole torture scene, like it gets incredibly graphic in a way that I, 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 I'm not going to get into right now. You guys can go read this book if you really want to, but like, it's super fucking graphic later on when he is double sleeving. It's the body that is, I believe a woman's body that gets tortured again. So I don't, and I don't know that this is like intentional. Um, in fact, I suspect it's not. I suspect that Richard Morgan was probably like, oh, it'll be cool to do like some scenes with him as a woman and some with him as a man. I'll put him in a woman's body for these scenes. Like, that'll be cool. But the mm-hmm. end effect is that all of the scenes where like there's really graphic torture being done to our main character, he's in a woman's right. body. Like, it's kind of fucked. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't make me as a reader feel good about this author or world he has created. I, I'm really trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. I really think that he did not think of it in those terms. I don't, mm-hmm. and I mean, maybe I'm wrong about that, but like, I think he probably just thought it would be a cool thing to do because he, because he's a dude and he has the privilege of not having to think about the fact that like so much media already depicts graphic violence mm-hmm. towards women. And it's like, well, and like sex workers in general. Yes. And sex workers. And it's just like, it's really a mess. How Again, I don't think that I'm particularly squeamish. I'm fine with like violence in books. We read fucking um, The Ruins, which was super graphic and gross, and I thought it was great. But, but like, everyone got fucked up in that book. Everyone got fucked up, and not not it didn't skew as heavily. Like This skews very yeah. heavily towards women and sex workers. I'm not saying exclusively. Mm-hmm. There is violence done to men in this book, but I think that the descriptions of the violence on women's bodies is a lot more graphic and a lot more like focused on creating terror. And it's like kind of fucked yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. I It really like goes to show you how normalized that mm-hmm. idea is. And it's Takeshi's getting tortured because of his mistaken identity. We don't really understand why, but he tells his captors he is an envoy and he bluffs and he says, all these other envoys are going to come and they're going to fuck you up for fucking me up. And so they're like, oh, well, I guess we can like let him go, but he has to go talk to Ray. So there's a woman named Trap comes and she takes Takeshi to go see Ray, who is in charge of the clinic and has questions for Takeshi. Um, however, Takeshi escapes, killing Trap and then absolutely everybody at the clinic. Like he goes in and just like, destroys everyone with real death which means he like burns out their cortical stack that stores them in it 
Um, and so if they don't have a backup anywhere, that basically is just like, wow, you're gone, you're erased, you're wiped. Which I think, from my understanding, like only rich people have the backups. I don't know. Yeah. But he does like save the head of one doctor, which he stores in his hotel. And I think he, he interrogates him later for some details about like the final plot. Mm. It's just like, ugh, gross. <laughs> and then a lot of things happen that took a long time to read. But ultimately <laughs> didn't mean, like, a lot for the story. So I'm just going to go through some highlights now. Okay. Takeshi goes to question Cadman at the police precinct because he's now the only lead in the murder case because the sex worker angle didn't pan out. Cadman escapes police custody. Takeshi and Ortega start to investigate together because Ortega begins to believe it wasn't a suicide. Cadman then attempts to kill Takeshi and Ortega by blowing them up. Takeshi and Ortega start fucking. And then Trep comes back and takes Takeshi to go meet Ray in Europe. That's like 200 pages of the book. <laughs> uh, there's also, I think, in this part, a, um, I do want to touch on this briefly just because this tickled me, this whole scene. There's a shopping sequence mm-hmm. where Takeshi goes to shop and he gets some oh new um, some new weapons, which brought me to what the fuck moments because number one, when he's shopping, he goes and there's like a um, robot assistant there who is there to like greet the clients. And this thing is described as a mandroid, which is like, I guess <laughs> a, they're- A mandroid. <laughs> Their term for, like, a robot that looks like a human. And, hey, Richard Morgan, buddy, we already have a word for that. It's android. I don't know why you put the M there. Except to make it weirdly fucking gendered again. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? What is happening? Do they have woman droids? Number two, this is just like Neuromancer, a book in which they buy weapons where I'm like, why the fuck are you buying that weapon? You have laser guns. Because he buys a fucking knife. He buys a knife. And they try to, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Z- like make it all cool. And they're like, ooh, it's a cool knife with super sharp edges and poison in the middle. And I'm like, you know what else has super sharp edges and poison in the middle? A poison gun with, like, sharp bits, which you already invented in this book. There are poison yes. guns. Just use that. And then, like, at what, like, they try to justify him having this knife later because he's like... He was, like, getting captured by someone, and he's like, I couldn't reach either of my guns in my holsters on my, like, ankles and my side, but I could get my knife out of my wrist holder. You know what else you could put in a wrist holder? A tiny fucking wrist gun. Why are we <laughs> Why are we having knives? I don't understand. It's the future. Just make everything guns, you dumb pieces of shit. You know what you can do yes. with a knife? Stab someone once. You stab them once, and the knife is gone. You know what you can do with a laser gun? Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> <laughs> so many shots so many shots available with a laser buys, gun like, why do we regular have... guns with regular bullets it's so stupid you have what poison you guns doing? you have laser guns these things have been described in this book use those yes and they're inc- incredibly destructive oh jesus you can melt someone's entire head off the, like into dust and I mean, I guess With the one logo. argument you could make for having, like, not as good weapons is, like, oh, he couldn't afford them. He could. He had the he company could. card. He had Bancroft's credit line. He could do whatever the yes. fuck he wanted. He could have gotten a laser cannon strapped to his dick. But no. <laughs> that would gonna... have <laughs> made some of these sex scenes so much more interesting. He's getting a dumb wrist knife with poison in the middle, which is the dumbest shit I've ever heard of. 
Um, and another thing I guess to bring up too, while I'm thinking about it is back to like your comment about wanting to read these books because of the relationships, the relationship between Takeshi and Ortega is like, it only exists because of these chemicals in, in Takeshi's sleeve. Right. So he like releases this hormone that makes people attracted Ortega specifically attracted to him. I think, I think what they were saying was that like, if you are, cause this is kind of brought up also with, um, Lizzie's mom, we haven't gotten to it, but eventually she does get a body and she goes home to her husband and they fuck. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Oh, it wasn't the same. It was weird. Um, that like, this is again, the kind of handwriting point of like, if you're in a different body, would you still love the people that you love? Because like right. hormones are a thing. So I think it wasn't like he was genetically engineered to create the hormone. I think they were just saying that like Riker okay. and Ortega have chemistry. A chemically induced relationship. <laughs> right. But I think it, it was in the sense of like Riker and Ortega have chemistry. And so yeah. Takeshi and Ortega, while Takeshi is in Riker's body, have chemistry. But once you take him out of that body, they're just friends. <laughs> I gotcha. That's so weird. But I mean, I, that's the part that I was like interested in. Like if we could do more of that, yeah. of like how being in these different bodies affects like your relationships and whatever. Like I would care about that a lot more than I care about knife gun. And I like how at the end he was like, you don't have to worry about being unfaithful to him. Cause I'm not going to tell and he'll never know. <laughs> it's like, Oh, well that's cool. Okay. I guess. But also Neat. we've talked about this sort of thing before on other podcasts, but like, is it cheating if your um, significant other is in storage? Because, like, especially, Good like, question. in this case, because he was in... We, we haven't super gotten into it, but Riker was, like, fr- we find out later framed for yeah. um, being a dirty cop and all this other shit. And so he was arrested and put in storage for, like, hundreds of years. So, theoretically, Ortega's never going to see him again. He's, right. he's essentially dead to her. So, like, is it cheating to, like hook up with someone else when they're in storage, how long of a storage, like, does that have to be for it to be okay? Or is it, like, never okay? Or is it, like, okay to hook up with their body if it's, you know, like, what, how much of this is cheating? And I mean, like, also, she fully believed he was innocent the whole time and wanted to get him out. So she didn't think he was going to be in there for hundreds of years. Yeah, she was, like, still devoted to him. Yeah. Weird, lots of just, I feel like we could have, like, a week-long retreat and just, like, discuss the ethics, morality, philosophy behind this world that Morgan has created. And we would just end the week being disgusted. I feel like, though, that's, again, that stuff's more interesting to me than these questions of, like, um, what if you're just really old? What if you're really old and you don't like people anymore? Like, okay. (laughs) I guess that's a dumb, fu- like I, and I also, I kind of don't buy cause they're like, the myths are so old. They don't like understand humanity. It's like, they're not that old. I mean, they're old for sure, but they're like 300 years old, which is like mm-hmm. old, but it's only like three times older than like people today can get to be. I certainly wouldn't look at like a hundred year old person and be like, they don't understand humanity anymore. Like that's <laughs> fucked up. So I don't know. I guess maybe it's the like taking away the fear of death that makes them not understand humanity, but that's the case for literally everyone on this world. So like, yes, I don't get it. I don't get that. I felt like they needed to be a lot older for me to buy this. Like 
they're just so disconnected and they see humans as nothing but ants. And I'm like, they have children. Like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I just, yeah. I don't know. As someone who read a lot of, like, vampire books, mm-hmm. <laughs> this, yeah, it did not really come off as authentic to me. You gotta have a real old vampire for them to start just, like, fucking with shit like that. Right, right. I mean, like, literally, they have a, the, the one, the Bancrofts have a daughter who's, like, in her 20s. 23. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm like, do they think she's, like, a pathetic aunt who can be crushed beneath their heel? Like, probably not. They probably, probably love that kid. Seems like they're not that disconnected from humanity. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I guess it doesn't matter. In the end. In the end, <laughs> it didn't matter. That's what this book tells us. Yep. So Takeshi goes to meet Ray, who is actually Raylene Kawahara, which is a meth that Takeshi has had previous bad encounters with. He does not like her at all. She is evil. But she tells Takeshi that he needs to convince Bancroft that his death was a suicide, or else she'll virtually torture his friend Sarah, that one from the beginning, who she has purchased from mind jail. (laughs) This book is so dumb. (laughs) And this has got Takeshi shook, but we don't really know why, because we don't understand. There's no mention of all of what his relationship to Sarah is like. No, like He's, none. She's, this very she's, much motivates him, though. Just one word. Like, is she your sister? Like, is she your girlfriend? Yeah, like, I just I need some clarification. Yeah. Is she just a friend? And the thing is, without that clarification, Takeshi's motivation makes no sense, because Takeshi doesn't give a shit about human life either, which is the other problem I have with this book, right. is that, like, he, they're trying to act like he's so different from the meths who don't give a shit about human life, but he doesn't give a shit about human life unless it's someone that like he just happens to care about for some, cause he does this with Luis too, right? Like he, he murders all the people at the clinic because they killed Luis and he's right. like, cause he says it's personal and it's like, you don't know her. Why are you this upset about her? But like, so it's, it's like, oh, he must have a very high regard for human life, mm-hmm. except then he straight up murders all of these people. I think he was also mad about the torture. Yeah, probably. But like, also a lot of them weren't involved in that. He murders the entire clinic. So like, uh, later on Ray is like, well, you obviously don't care. Like you're a bad person. You killed all these people. They had families and friends and like wishes and desires and things like that. And I'm like, oh, it seems like Ray does understand human life. And Takeshi's like, yeah, well it was personal and I just wanted to kill him. And I'm like, okay, well it seems like one of you is the bad person here and it's not Ray actually. (laughs) Which one of you is the ruthless mob boss? He has no moral compass and he wants us to believe the author wants and Takeshi wants us to believe at the end that he is the correct person to decide yes. moral issues. And I'm like, if we mm-hmm. played it as Takeshi is also a monster, I'd be fine with that, but we're not. He's over here acting all high and mighty and acting mm-hmm. like he is the correct person to decide who should live and who should die. And I'm like, you are a psychopath. Like you're specifically <laughs> described as, I'm not even saying it as a joke. They have a whole thing about how no, boys are trying to be psychopaths. Like he admits it. Yeah. He, he should not be the one in charge of who gets to live and die. But this book no. ends up being like, yes, it is good that Takeshi Kovach like solved this problem and murdered the right people. And I'm like, I'm on, what? I'm on team Ortega. <laughs> she, until she like started fucking him. She was, like, really yeah. cool until then. She was like, hey, there are, like, laws and things. 
Yes. You have to obey the law and stop murdering everybody you see. Thank you. And I'm usually not lawful good in terms of my, like, preferred character alignment. But in this case, I was like, yeah, everybody needs to, like, chill the fuck out and stop just murdering indiscriminately. Honestly. (laughs) So, it's, whatever. Takeshi agrees to tell the lie. So, he's just out to save his own skin at this point. Doesn't care about the truth anymore because of Sarah. So, Kawahara also gives Takeshi money. So, with Kawahara's money, he is able to purchase Irene Elliott... From Mind Jail, because he's like, I feel bad for what has happened to your family. And also, I'm going to use the fact that you will feel grateful to me for getting you out of Mind Jail to my advantage, because then you'll be mine and mine alone. Loyalty, blah. So, again, weird moral compass. <laughs> um, and, and so she does some hacking to make his story more plausible. And basically, what he tells Lorenz Bancroft is that. Lorenz went and had sex at a very disreputable brothel and picked up a virus from their computer systems that would attack and destroy every copy of his clones and himself. So he killed himself before the 48-hour upload so that the virus wouldn't spread. And Lorenz buys this lie. So Takeshi thinks he's in the clear, but then he has some epiphanies about events because he looks through a telescope. (laughs) And... Honestly, it's just like the author just is like a word and then another word and then maybe four words together, but none of these make a sentence. And it's just a list of words. And we're also we're like, <laughs> it's supposed to be like the way he's thinking in real life. I don't know. It was, I don't understand how he came to the conclusions that he did. I guess because he absorbs things. This is the first of two times where I'm like, oh, so Takeshi's actually not good at this either. Cause it's like, um, he's like yeah, he's very bad. He, he's like the telescope thing is just like oh he just happens to look through it and that's like what is the big break in the case and this is our big Sherlock Holmes of this book okay um and then like mm-hmm. later there's another like there's towards the very end there's like a situation where it could be one of two things and the person he's talking to about how he cracked the case is like well how did you decide which of the two things it was he's like I don't know it was easier to do that one so I did that one yeah, we did rock, paper, scissors, but the other guy threw no, the no. game. Not that. Not the rock, oh. paper, scissors thing. When um, Miriam's like, how did you decide if to go investigate psychosec or whatever else? And he's like, oh, oh well, I, I couldn't get into whatever else. So I investigated psychosec and it turned out that was the right yeah. one. And it's like, oh, all right. So you're just bad. Because like also the whole, the whole um, brothel thing and him finding out about Riker and whatever like that was complete coincidence too that he was just like I don't know this guy seems like he's angry I'll go talk to him like yeah but he didn't he actually know have anything. anything about he doesn't he's not doing anything like there's he, no procedure here for him he's just bumbling around <laughs> killing people <laughs> and it just happens to be the right one so good job I guess uh, yeah Zukeshi discovers that Lorenz went to head in the clouds which is a brothel in the sky which is what the telescope was pointed at before he died. And okay. <laughs> this brothel is owned by Kawahara. So Takeshi makes this huge leap in logic that Kawahara isn't responsible for Lorenz's death. But before he can do anything, he gets abducted by Cadman, the assassin who double sleeves, and is forced to fight him to the death in this arena in a humiliation bout. And it ends with Trep coming at last minute to save him and Cadman dying a real death. I... Listen, I was, this point of the book, I'm like, just get Cadman out of here. Like, he's not, he's not the issue anymore. Stop bringing him into this book. 
But we had to have Cadman so that we could talk about Takeshi's daddy issues, I guess. Oh my god. Also unnecessary. The patchwork man. It's a thing. I don't want to. We're not getting into it. We got to move on. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is already going to be our longest episode. It's fine. (laughs) Yes. So then we get to the whole thing. The solution of it all. And I cannot summarize it as succinctly as Wikipedia did. So I'm just going to borrow from the article here. Maybe add a little bit of supposition of my own. But I'm mostly just going to be reading straight from the Wikipedia article. So forgive me. So... Kovic double sleeves and he controls both Riker and the second body simultaneously. I think the second body he picked up at the arena, I don't know, it's supposed to be like some like super primo, um, what is the word? Prototype strong body of some kind. Riker's copy leaves with Miriam Bancroft to draw away surveillance. Ortega and Kovic infiltrate head in the clouds. Irene spikes Kawahara's personality back up with the Rawlings virus. That's the virus that like infiltrates and destroys every copy of your clone or whatever, um, destroying all of Kawahara's clones. Kovic forces a confession from Kawahara and <laughs> it's just this whole thing. Okay. After a Catholic prostitute was murdered at head in the clouds, her resurrection would have revealed Kawahara's illegal activity. As part of her cover up, Kawahara framed Riker for corruption, which is, Takeshi's body, and she asked Bancroft to help her kill Resolution 653 to prevent the prostitute from testifying, but he refused. Kawahara and Miriam drugged Bancroft, and then out of his mind on drugs, he killed a prostitute and then killed himself in order to erase the memory out of guilt and self-preservation. With his memories gone, Kawahara's involvement could not be traced. And then assisted by Trep, Kovic blows out of the side of the Zeppelin that head in the clouds is on and as he falls to his death he uses a grenade to destroy Kawahara's stack ensuring her permanent death that's how the book ends there's like an epilogue everyone has a happy ending Takeshi goes away y'all can't see it but I'm rolling my eyes a lot I feel like the author was trying to be a little bit too clever with all of his little like tangents and background information and everything and then tried to make it all come together at the end and it just like I, to me, was not pulled off successfully because I was so tired of reading this book. And maybe that's just a me problem. <laughs> maybe that's just me. Maybe if you were really enjoying this book, you'd be like, wow, genius, love it. It's 10 out of 10. Would read again. I also felt like good sci-fi makes you think about a problem in the world today, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. meant to draw, a, at least as it is now, like, definitely not necessarily in the 50s or even like early like really early pulp sci-fi like some of it was just for funsies but a lot of like this level of sci-fi where it's like it's trying to make you think about something right and it's like I don't know it's just like there wasn't I don't know what I was supposed to take away from this book except that it was cool like yeah I think that's what it is it was just all about like cyberpunk aesthetic here it is so cool mystery cool guy nihilism computers dirty drugs yeah i don't know not yeah. a fan <laughs> i i enjoyed it up to a point and then like i said i just i grew fatigued it there was just too many like false endings for me for this book right it just it was just very much like and another thing and <laughs> another thing and another thing it could so. have been wrapped up at many points in the plot it wasn't, which mm-hmm. would have been okay if the thing that it was leading towards was to say something about something, but I 
I'm sure for some people like this resonated and they got something out of it in terms of like a theme, but I just don't know what it was or why or what we're doing here. <laughs> so yeah. Um, I guess yeah. things that I would like in cyberpunk. What, what have we learned about cyberpunk from this? Um, I still hate mm-hmm. it. I hate the genre still. <laughs> this didn't fix it at all in any way. Um, I liked that it was less confusing. So that was good. Yes. I would like positive. something more focused on characters and less focused on dumb convoluted plots that have a bunch of problems that are introduced from made up technology that's solved by more made up technology. Mm. You can, I think that's, that's kind of the big issue I have with this sort of like when it is especially murder mysteries or mysteries with sci-fi, the big, the thing is that like any kink you introduce is going to be an invented problem from your imagination And then, like, the solution is also going to be an invented solution from your imagination. So it's like, oh, well, how could it possibly have been the Zibble machine? The Zibble machine doesn't work like that. Ah, but you forgot about the Quagnon gear. Like, okay, yes, we can all make up words. So, like, less of that would be great. Yeah, yeah. That one's hard to, like, judge, though, because you don't know. know until you're into the book. Yeah, but Sorry. No, it's okay. I have I know I have an idea for the next book that we want to read. And I've kind of had this one just like I've been thinking about it since you first mentioned that you wanted to read Neuromancer like mm-hmm. half of a year ago. Um so <laughs> I can't talk about it now because we're going to talk about I was going to say keep it in yeah, the brain tank we'll for now. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the cool thing is it's only 144 pages. Oh, excellent. So. <laughs> Well, before we get into what our next thing is, um, what are mm-hmm. some other books that you might recommend either mm. counter to or based on this book, I guess, or just what books are you feeling right now? Cause that's, I think where I'm ending. Cause I've got nothing. Yeah. I'm kind of in the same boat though. I did start this new series over Thanksgiving break. Um, if that doesn't like reveal our recording schedule too mm-hmm. much, but mm-hmm. I did read this over Thanksgiving break. Um, and it was a surprise science fiction book. I did not know it was going to be no. science fiction. I thought it was just straight up urban fantasy. But it's the Innkeeper Chronicles, the first book in that series, Clean Sweep by Alona Andrews. Have you mm. heard mm. of this one? I haven't heard of this one, but I've heard of Alona Andrews. Yes. Alona Andrews writes a lot of um, urban fantasy series. It's actually like a husband-wife yeah. team. But this um, book centers around Dina and her, like, paranormalness is that she's an innkeeper who are like this um group of neutral beings that maintain inns on the planet earth to where paranormal creatures can come and rest there and have it as a safe haven Mm. but the twist is that the paranormal creatures are actually aliens from different planets oh fun like we have kind of skewed it to make them into like fitting into our worldview of what the universe is like but yeah like vampires are a different species like mm-hmm. of alien and werewolves are from a different planet and and also like later on in the story it includes like different like completely different made up alien races that have a little bit more advanced technology and things yeah. like that um so I, yeah i was not expecting it to be sci-fi but was very pleasantly surprised when it was and it was a 
nice clean sci-fi book like <laughs> it wasn't it <laughs> no wasn't. computers and eyes here <laughs> yeah like there were computers um and it, and she does like have this argument of like you know the whole thing of like any technology highly advanced will seem like magic whatever and mm-hmm. so she has this like doesn't matter if it's magic or if it's science sort of theme going through it but it's really good yeah i've only read the first book and it was very it was like 200 something pages so it was perfect highly recommend Cool. What about you? That actually makes me feel better about my recommendation because I feel like it mm. kind of ties into that. Because um, uh, the the book that I'm going to recommend, the reason I'm recommending it is because kind of like I said with um, my complaints about this book that we read, uh, it's very similar in the way that it's a fantasy, and it all of the problems are again made up problems with made up solutions, as is typical in fantasy mm-hmm. and sci fi. But I think that the relationships in it are so well done that it works because of any time that you're doing sci-fi and fantasy, for me at least, the plot is just a thing to build the relationships around. Um, And kind of similar to the book that you just recommended, like it also has kind Mm -hmm. of that vibe of like, in, in this case, none of it's on Earth. It's all on like a different universe, but like there are forces that are being referred to as gods by some of the people, but by Mm -hmm. the time it gets into book two, it seems like maybe they are some sort of like alien or something like that. And they're just coming across as gods. And so it's sort of that same vibe of like, Oh, it's a, is it magic? Is it technology? Um, Mm -hmm. uh, It skews a little bit more fantasy, I think in this case, but the book series that I'm talking about is the strange, the dreamer duology by Lainey Taylor. Um, Oh, I Which had I've, that first one, but I haven't read it yet. Yeah, it was really good. It, um, I finished the first one. I'm working on the second one, which is uh, Muse of Nightmares. So that one's really fun, mm-hmm. and I really like the relationships in it. And um, not just the romantic one. There is, like, a couple romantic ones, but, like, mm-hmm. I like the main character is so connected to, like, all of the people that he meets. And he's, like, a person who cares about mm-hmm. people and, like, wants – people to succeed and like be like he's just a nice person and it's like so like the complete opposite of Takeshi Kovic where I'm just like (laughs) he's he's such a good guy who just wants everyone to do their best (laughs) oh I love that and it's delightful I love love nice books about nice boys yeah and it's like it's not like nice nice where like nothing bad happens because there's a lot of dark stuff happening but like Mm. it were like the if there's dark stuff happening I want Right. It's like, I want the people that the dark stuff is happening to be like people that I care about because otherwise, mm-hmm. why would I care? You know? Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Very fair. So I think that brings us up to our next episode, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So next fortnight, we're going back to, we're finishing up our first finished unit, our new adult unit. Um, and if you guys remember, we previously read The Mister and Losing It. Um, in this third one, I wanted to make sure that it was still like, not like a spec fic and mm-hmm. at least some romance, um, so that it kind of fit in with the big trends of new adult, like that it wasn't like going way outside the genre. And if you guys remember from Anna's request, she wanted a book that was post college, um, yes. and preferably single person point of view, okay with love or okay with um, some power dynamics but not like student teacher preferred like boss and employee sort of thing for it was Mm -hmm. the quotes that I pulled while I was looking for this so there were a couple that I really wanted to try 
that didn't quite fit and I'm probably going to read them and maybe suggest some of them next fortnight. So we'll get into that. But the one that I ended up settling on is a book from this year, uh, which I believe it qualifies as new adult. It's shelved that way on Goodreads by some people. Um, It is post-college. It's about a woman returning to her small town after um, a car, her sister's in a car accident. So she comes to like help out her sister and niece and oh God, is this a Christmas rom-com? It's not a Christmas rom-com. And her niece, um, <laughs> I thought about doing a Christmas one because we'll be doing it around Christmas, but I couldn't find one I liked. Um, the niece wants to, who's like in her early teens, I think, wants to work at a Renaissance fair over the summer. And for uh, the the main character gets roped into doing it along <gasps> with her. Is this well met? It is well met. Have you read this? I've been wanting to read this one. Okay, great. So that's what we're going to read. <laughs> It's uh, Well Met by Jen DeLuca. Um, and I believe the romance in it is the boss of the Renaissance Fair and her. So I think it's single person point of view. I didn't like read enough of it to check, but from the reviews, that's what I think. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that this will A, qualify as a new adult with like what we know of the genre um, and B, that mm-hmm. Anna will like it. I'm hoping. I'm hoping so. I'm really drawn to this idea of a romance at the Ren Fair, and I think that's because it's mm-hmm. my mind saying, like, that's almost a fantasy novel, Anna. You got yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's what we're doing next week. Awesome. Or next I'm fortnight, super sorry. looking forward to this. I was looking yeah. for an excuse to buy it. Good. So now you have one. <laughs> right. So that's about it for this fortnight. Um, if it's- you've ever brought a poison knife to a gunfight, tweet at us and let us know about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how'd that go for you you can it might tw- be your second body that you're tweeting yeah. us from let us know um you can tweet at us at shelf you can also email us if you have any um suggestions for further books or if you have fan mail shout out to um charlie thank you so much for your email we really appreciated it it was and so sweet hearing from you also, if you have tweeted about us or told your friends about us or reviewed us on iTunes, um, again, hit us up at that email, which is uh, shellforecast at gmail.com to let us know about it. And you can get some free stickers. We're doing a sticker giveaway and you can get all the deets about that on our Twitter or uh, maybe our Instagram. I don't know. We have an Instagram. We have a uh, YouTube. It's pretty much all the same uh, handles. So, you know, check those out if you want to. Yeah, the Instagram isn't, it's whatever. (laughs) Well, the YouTube, I have put all of our back episodes on. So now maybe I can start doing bonus content. Go find us on the YouTubes. (laughs) Uh, As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. We are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms. So if you haven't followed or subscribed to us yet on one of those, you definitely should. Because I know that you want to receive these episodes on whatever device it is that you use as soon as they're available. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd very much appreciate a five-star review, but if you don't use Apple Podcasts, that's a-okay because you are totally allowed to talk about us anywhere on the internet that you want. Hopefully only good things to say, but you know. <laughs> hey, we we started this podcast off by talking shit, so like honestly, True. if you want to talk shit about us, it's fair game. If you wanted to create a podcast called Hate Listen, where you just ragged on our podcast every other week, that's probably fine by us. You'd probably get more listeners. Than- <laughs> yep. Womp womp. <laughs> <laughs>
And in the words of Richard K. Morgan, I trust these scumbags about as far as a cling film condom. Why are you still using cling film in 2300 or whatever year this is taking place in? Are there not more like advanced <laughs> forms of technology to secure your leftovers? I don't understand. <laughs> Welcome back, literary slummers, to another huh? episode of. Oh, I thought you said you no, start. No, I start. Oh, you, you go did second. Say you start. Okay. <laughs> I do start. Okay, <laughs> but you first said I start, and then I really got that in my head, and I'm not awake yet, so you can't blame me for anything. I'm sorry. Okay, you did just wake up. This is this is this is an acceptable mistake. 